Hello everyone, I'm Jen and welcome to the Monogamish Pod. On this week's episode, I get to talk to one of my favorite people that I've met in my polyamorous journey, Trey Michael. And we get to talk to Trey about her journey into polyamory, now she's living and loving right now. But before we dive into this episode, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, AltPlayground.net. Now, Alt Playground has some amazing features. Last episode, I highlighted one of the amazing women creators that we have there. And this week, I want to talk to you a bit about my group. So we do have a group on altplayground.net. We share our most recent episodes, thoughts, ideas, everything. And we definitely want people to begin engaging in the group a bit more. I know that things have fallen off a little bit, new year, new schedules for us. But I definitely want you guys to come to altplayground.net and get that exclusive behind-the-scenes content from the podcast and share some thoughts and ideas, things that you want to talk about going forward. If you want to be a part of the Monogamish Pod family through altplayground.net, we want you to hop over there, sign up today, head on over to the group, join our little group section. Come on, y'all. You know you want to. And there are so many other amazing creators there. Guys, you want to be on altplayground.net? You want to be in our group? in our group. Just do it. That's right. Go to altplayground.net and search Monogamous Podcast and there we will be. Now that I've talked about Alt Playground, I want to talk to you about Andrew Martucci's Bridgerton Research Project. Now I know what you're thinking. Bridgerton's polyamory? How does this go together? Well, not exactly the way you think, but I do think that this project is very important put together by Andrew Martucci of the Shelf Love Podcast. And if you guys want to be a part of it, you should just listen to this ad right now. Did you know that 82 million households tuned into at least one episode of Bridgerton on Netflix the first month it was available? And did you know that Bridgerton is based on a romance novel series by Julia Quinn? Lots of people who have never picked up a romance novel before are dipping in as a result of the Netflix adaptation. If you are one of those people who don't identify as a romance reader, but decided to read one or more of the Bridgerton novels as a result of watching the show, I am asking for your help. That's right, you. My name is Andrea Martucci, and I'm currently working on a research project to discover how Bridgerton fans are engaging with romance novels and how they perceive the romance fiction genre. I am the host of a podcast devoted to unpacking romance novels called Shelf Love Podcast. What I want to understand is how people get into romance or don't and how new readers perceive genre conventions. So here's how you can take part in this research project. I have a survey that probably just takes about five minutes to fill out. You can find the survey and learn more about the research project by going to bit.ly slash Bridgerton Research. That's bit.ly slash Bridgerton Research. You can also find more information on my website, shelflovepodcast.com. Thank you so much for helping with this project. I really appreciate you. That link one more time is bit.ly slash Bridgerton Research. Now. Here's our interview with Trey Michael. This okay. week's episode, I have a celebrity, y'all. You know, we like <laughs> to bring famous people here. I have brought a celebrity for you all. She is the most famous polyamorous person that I know. No. And she's a professor. She's a polyamorous professor. Like, no. she's, she's, she's amazing. So she keeps saying no, but I'm like, oh, why no. are you 
why are you lying? Like, you know, you like, you're like the poly doctor professor person. Like, you're no. super famous. <laughs> no, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you for that, though. But um, don't oversell me to all these lovely people listening. <laughs> oh, fine. Okay. Okay. I, I do have a doctorate, but mm-hmm. it's not in anything to do with polyamory. I'm an educator by trade. And yes, um, I, well, yeah, I mean, and that mean vocationally I am like, I, that's like a part of who I am to, to learn and to teach, you know, in that order, in that order. So that, that party is true, but I don't feel like there is like a such thing as a poly expert and relationship experts to me that that doesn't exist because relationships are too messy and people are too ever evolving and the human condition is too, is too much variability, you know? So you can't really know it all about anything that has to do with humanness, especially relationships. Mm. Yeah. It's very true, but it's okay, guys. She's very well informed. I promise. I didn't, I didn't (laughs) bring somebody who faked their resume (laughs) on the show. This is Trey Michael. Snaps for Trey. I can <laughs> only snap for So <laughs> you, you get a half snap. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So Trey, now that I've given you that amazingly factual introduction, why don't you tell the people all about you? So I'll keep it short. Um, I'm Trey Michael. I am approaching that golden age where, you know, you're leaving the 40s and getting into the other decade. So I'm a little older than a lot of people I know. Um, I don't feel it, though. Uh, I'm a mom. Uh, Kids are pretty much grown. And um, as I said, I do have a doctorate in education. I'm specifically um, working with uh, in psychology and technology and education. Those are my fields, real broadly speaking. Um, But I've been a part of the I've been non-monogamous pretty much my whole life. Uh, I discovered that about myself when I was, I don't know, 12. And around the same time that I discovered my sexual orientation, which is not monogamous, uh, (laughs) around the same time, you know, that period of discovery. Right. And I've been doing some kind of non-monogamous living and loving ever since, except for a brief stint when I tried to be monogamously married for nine years. It did. It, it was good, but it, it didn't, it didn't last. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you've been non-monogamous your whole life, that just kind of seems like a very long period to just be something other than yourself. So I get that. Yeah, it was. Well, you know what? It coincided with going back to school and like this crazy, like I'm very, I'm very ambitious. Like I have a like insane ambition thing, right? Well, it, it's, I'm slowing down now because I'm getting older and I'm tired. But back then, you know, I was like, I was so driven. So if it getting married was like a way to kind of um, hide myself <laughs> um, so that I could focus on just education and my career. And I did, you know, I did. It, it, it served me well, like as far as to we have a laser focus. And so, but I suppressed a lot of parts of myself though, for those like nine years. And then, you know, we were married for 13 years and then the last four, we, we opened our marriage. So, and then, then we got divorced. <laughs> so. Well, listen, now, you know, I mean, apparently an open marriage can't fix every relationship. Uh, you know, and I mean, I knew that like when, when we, when we decided to do that, um, and I don't, you know, I'm not, I've done things that I'm not proud of. Okay. We all have made mistakes. You know, I was not, I was an unfaithful and this was right after I graduated with my degree. And I was like, just 
the whole life was changing so drastically. But our marriage had problems before that, you know, and he was the one like I was like, you know, when it all came out and I find, you know, and he was like, uh, we, I, we, can, we can make this work. I was like, eh, oh, no, this hasn't been working since before this happened. But OK, <laughs> you know, I mean, we had kids, you know what I'm saying? Like trying to make it work, you know. Girl, no. Um, it does not. Um, polyamory or non-monogamy it does not fix. It cannot fix a a a broken relationship. It just cannot. Um, what I like to say, and you'll hear lots of other people say this too, is that it will illuminate whatever cracks in the foundation that you have. Uh, you can make sure that those cracks will be illuminated and probably um, broaden, <laughs> become worse. Um, because it, it is a very strenuous activity <laughs> on your relationship. Yeah. It just really is, you know? Um, but one thing I can say, um, is that it helped me and I know it helped him too, but it helped both of us kind of realize that we weren't really, we, we didn't marry, we didn't marry each other for our real selves. We walked into the marriage you know, not real. Like, you know, like I said, I was in school, so I was suppressed. You know what I mean? All I was doing was raising kids and getting degrees. Like that was my thing, you know, um, and, and career moves, you know, and, and he was not being himself. Like when we opened our marriage, I didn't even know who he was anymore. I was like, who, who this man? <laughs> what? The things that he did were so like, not what I expected. You know what I mean? So, you know, I feel like that whole process um, helped us both to just come to grips with the fact that we weren't showing up real. Uh, we were not showing up real. Uh, so, and that's one thing I like about that journey is that it was really made clear. We were not showing up real and I didn't want to do that anymore, you know? Um, but we're still like good friends. Like we talk, we, we text there almost every day. Like we're like, we're cool. You know what I mean? So it's, we're back to the way we started, which was a friendship, you know, which is probably what it should have stayed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you got some lovely kids out of it. So I guess it wasn't yes. all, you know, not yes. detour to take. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't have any regrets about it at all. Um, I think in the, in this thing, like when you, when, if you knew, differently at the time, you would have made a different choice, right? So I'm cool with the choices I made, you know? I mean, there's only one thing I probably would have done differently, but that has nothing to do with my relationship. That has something to do with trying to go to school while um, giving birth. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I had my, almost had that second one on the university steps, girl. I, I Listen, Ooh. I didn't even take off. I just had the baby and kept on going to school. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. See, you know what I mean? Yeah, I might, I might, I might do that differently. It's a little crazy. That was a little crazy. But um, yeah. When I did I mention that I had some kind of insane ambition? Did I mention that? Just a little, <laughs> just slightly, maybe met, hinted at it previously. But now, now we are aware that you were so ambitious, you were willing to have your child on the steps of the university. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wouldn't listen to reason at all about that. So I was like, I can't, I, I can't, I don't have time to wait. I got to keep going. And they were like, girl, you just had a baby. Like, it's fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't it was fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't recommend. Do not recommend. Do not try that at home. <laughs> no. When it's time to have the baby, you might want to take some time off. I mean, you know, that's, yeah. 
So, yeah, but I'll have very other few. I don't have any like regrets about anything like that. I would do differently. But everything else, I'm like, it, it, it happened the way it was supposed to happen, you know, and, uh, and he and I are good friends, you know, and we're like, I'm friends. Like, he's not the father of both my children. My oldest um, was when he's like 28. So that gives you an idea how just how old I really am. Um, but he. Um, he, he and I are still friends too, you know, we really, I was 17 when I met him, you know? Uh, so, you know, I don't really do unfriending people that I were, that I had these very in-depth relationships with, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, so we're, we're just, we, everybody gets along. I'm cool with the, 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 their new partners, like, the key, the other kids, the, you know, everybody's, everybody's cool. It's really, it's really unique. People are always like, you cool like that? I'm like, yeah, you know, we, we were young and crazy and making mistakes and doing what people do and it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Now you're yeah. just older and slightly less crazy and making different mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Just making different mistakes. Yeah. 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 That's it. Yep. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah. No, I think there's this idea that once you've been doing polyamory or doing anything really for a long period of time that you are now immune to mistake making. And you are never. I am here to never. tell you as somebody who knew that I liked girls before I turned the age of 10, that having been, you know, a non-heterosexual individual for like 24, 20, you know, six years of my life and that big time period there, I promise you I'm still fucking it up. I promise you. Yes, and I yes, what I always say: you keep living, and you' gonna fuck it up. The only way you won't fuck it up is if you don't do anything, don't have any relationships, don't do anything. Then you won't fuck anything up. But if you're out there living life, you know, and trying to to just be happy, or you know, achieve a goal, or you know, build something, you're gonna fuck it up. You're gonna fuck it up, and that's but but you know. I think that that's what we're supposed to do. Right. Um, there is no like perfect human. There's no perfect relationship. There's no perfect anything. Uh, and, and that's okay. Uh, it's totally okay. Now, mind you, you know, there are some things that I'm like, I know I don't want, uh, <laughs> and I've learned by way of experimentation that, oh, I don't, I don't want that, that I don't want at all. Um, but there are other things that I'm like, mm, I might be okay with that. I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, so you have to keep trying and keep and keep working at it. And, you know, we talk a lot about judgment. Um, and, and I know folks are like, oh, you people talk so bad about newbies and you know, it's not, that's, that's being a newbie at something is not a bad thing. Um, newbies often don't know what they don't know. Um, I, and I admittedly have been a person to have that problem. <laughs> and then you, you make some really bad mistakes and then you realize, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know that. <laughs> and then you figure it out and you move on. But so you do have some things that you have experienced and you know better now about those things and if they're fit for you, but you never, you know, you never really master anything, you know, um, just wait and some new experience will happen to show you that you don't know what the fuck you're doing again. Yeah, <laughs> I feel that. Shoot. Yeah. I just, I just, I did something like that last year too. I was like, I 
you know, this was awkward. I didn't handle yeah. it the best way that I could have. Hmm. Yeah. It, well, it's already gone now. Nothing I can do about it at this point. <laughs> just keep moving forward, I guess. Yeah. And just, I think it's how we respond to it, right? You know, um, like jealousy is one that a lot of people like to talk about um, because it's so, um, it can be so debilitating, right? Um, and I don't, I'm, I've never been one to have a lot of jealousy. Even when I was trying to be monogamous, I still didn't have a lot of jealousy. We didn't have these rules about that you can't have. Um, and it, to me, as someone who likes any gender, I can't have a rule about somebody not not having friends of the opposite. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, it doesn't fit with me I because any gender is a fair game for me. Like, gender is not the deciding factor, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so it didn't make sense, right? Um, so I never really had a lot of jealousy anyway, but I learned that there are certain things that can happen that will make me insanely jealous. And I didn't even know, like, I have been shocked at myself, like, oh my God, this is the worst jealousy I've ever felt. Oh, I think I need a drink. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like that bad. You know what I mean? Um, when I had never felt that before, you know? Um, so, and that's, I can say that's happened in the last five years, you know? So you just, you keep living and you'll find that, um, you'll have new experiences that will test your gangster. (laughs) On a regular, regular. bro. Yes. Okay. So tell me about younger Trey. So, you know, 12 year old Trey figuring out that the world is not so hetero and uh, she's not so hetero and maybe she'd like to have multiple partners to get married to, one to rub her feet, one to wash her hair, one to cook oh for God. her. Like, what, what was that period like for you? I feel like you had a lot of change happening at the same time period. I was, I was like the textbook troubled youth, like textbook, except for one thing. I was a straight A student. <laughs> so, so in school, when school was in, I was a model teenager. Uh, I got good grades. You know, I did my work. I came home when I was supposed to. As soon as summer came, baby, listen, (laughs) I became a different kid. And so um, I can honestly say that all of my experimentation would happen when school wasn't in. Um, I very much um, attached my identity and my sense of self-worth to my um, my school achievement. So, but I had a lot of insecurities, like a lot of teenagers do. Um, you know, I'm a, I am a multiple time sexual assault and sexual abuse survivor. Um, no doubt those things played a role in the, the kind of the in, internal demons that I had. So I experimented with drugs. I experimented with, experimented with sex, um, just all kinds of stuff. But what I, what I also had a problem with when I was uh, um, that young is I didn't, you know, I wasn't able to be okay with it inside. Like I had internalized the homophobia of my community and my family. Um, I had internalized, you know, um, those ideas, but I questioned them inside, you know? So I did a lot of things in secret. Everything was a secret. Like my closest friends knew that my best friend and I were messing around, (laughs) but nobody else knew. You see what I mean? Um, My sister, I have a sister. I have three sisters. My, one of them is three years younger than me. And we're like super, super close. And we used to hang out all the time. 
I didn't even tell her. Like she didn't know. You know what I mean? So because I was, I just knew that people would judge me, you know? And so I mean, I was judging myself. I was judging myself. I thought of myself as a bad, a bad girl, you know? Um, so I acted the part. Um, so what, what ended up happening is I had a boyfriend, of course. I think I was by this time I probably was around 13. Yeah, around 13. And I had a boyfriend. Um, we're the same age. We're still cool even to this day. It's been a that's a long friendship, right? <laughs> it's a long friendship. We're the same age and that was I'm like 49, right? <laughs> and so um I had a best friend also. And that was the first, the very first triad I had was with my best friend and my boyfriend when I was like 14 years old. We had been dating for like a year. Um, and then something just happened between the three of us. And then we became like three little peas in a pod. And I'm going to tell you something about triads. Um, when you don't know anything about anything and you don't have all the adulting stuff that we, the layers of adulting concerns that you place on top of your relationships, they're really actually quite nice. <laughs> Listen, shit is so easy when you don't have anything else to worry about like that. You don't have all the adulting concerns that are layers. You know, that's really how we mess up stuff. You know, how we make it complicated is we have all these adult level worries and concerns. Um, and we place those layers on top of our relationships and everything we do. And now we have to filter everything through that lens and it becomes very complicated. But when you're like, you know, 14 and the most, most you have to worry about is like, you know, um, let me make sure I get home before I get too drunk. Uh, or let me make sure I get this homework done, <laughs> you know, like that's all you got to worry about. You're not overthinking that whole situation. Um, you know, there is no worrying about, you know, if people are being honest with you, um, there's no worrying about, um, who likes who more than the other one. Like there's none of that. We're not worried about anybody getting pregnant. Nobody was worried about that, <laughs> you know, or like if we have a baby, you know, if we have a, if my, she has a baby by my, none of that, none of that. We weren't worried about any of that stuff. None of it. Wow. See, none of it. it. I need to. Couples privilege. Mm -hmm. That wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even a thing. Okay. Okay. So you guys really dove right into it. Yeah, we didn't we didn't pay attention to all we didn't think about all that. There was no we didn't it didn't have a name, it didn't have a you know, it was just we just enjoyed each other's company and we liked to be around each other, you know? Um and we were friends, so we liked each other. Uh and that was it. I mean we also liked sex, so there's that, you know. Um yeah. but we didn't it didn't have all the, you know, adult level layers. Um and I think about that a lot because I've had some rather nasty experiences with triads. And so I'm always laughing about how like I'm totally I'm not I'm not gonna say I'm totally anti triad, but I'm pretty anti triad now. Like I wouldn't like look for one or try to get and then if something presents itself, I'm looking at it with a, a big old side eye like mm, I don't know about that. Um, however, I do have this experience that I remember that was great. It was great. You know what I mean? Um, simply because we didn't know any better. We didn't know enough to mess it up, to make it complicated. Oh, that's the most important <laughs> thing. You didn't know enough to mess it up. Okay. So then no what led to the end of that triad? Since everything seemed to be flowing really well, you don't have the adult level concerns, not worried about the bills or babies or anything. So- Right. How long were you guys triading together? I'm going to make that a verb now, triading. I like that. I like that. We were triading for about, what, 
maybe two years. Well, he and I dated for a year before that happened. 16, so probably about two and a half years. And that's a long time in the life of a kid. Y'all are married at that point. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Almost, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. So what happened was the way way it split up is I moved. My family moved. And we moved out of the neighborhood. So it's like I couldn't see them as much anymore. And so we started to lose contact. Like we started to, you know, grow apart because of the distance, you know? And this is like in the 80s, man. You know, we... (laughs) wasn't no uber or nothing right <laughs> you can't just say no you know like my son has his own like bank card and he can like get his own uber and all that we didn't have that back in the 80s <laughs> yeah no cell phones no yeah, like no, yeah no, so no, we didn't yeah yeah i get so it so it was it, the dis- distance in relationships back then was a lot harder on distance would make it a lot harder on relationships back then um, you moved away from your friends. You just, you just, you just lost your friends, and that's what happened. I'm, I lost all my friends. Um, I was very sad <laughs> when I had to switch high schools, you know. Um, so yeah, but um, the kids today are so lucky because they don't have to, they don't have to lose their friends when they move. They can still stay in touch, like regularly if they want to um so yeah but that's all that happened it wasn't um it wasn't messed up now the one thing that happened between me and the and the and the boyfriend was for some reason he wanted to like I think he had like Captain Save a whole tendencies you know um and so when I started like working and you know having my own money and stuff like he didn't like he didn't seem to like that he wanted me to continue to ask him for things um which i was like my mom didn't really raise me to do that you know she she didn't she didn't believe in in that <laughs> so i was like what's the problem you know i'm happy to be working and having my own money so that became like a point of contention um between us you know that last year or so but it like i said it wasn't the triad related you know what i mean and they have nothing to do with that right they have anything to do with that so um so yeah but that was it wasn't anything that had to do with you know that's not like what you hear in stories today you know with oh, triads yeah. breaking up Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. fairly simple dissolution of your first triad. That's fine. We'll, we'll yeah. focus on that one because that was your most perfect triad <laughs> in this scenario. So then what was it like for you then? Like I said, you know that you are not straight, you know, you're attracted to any gender. So how did you first really have a romantic independent relationship outside of the hetero norm? Okay. Yes. So, oh God, it's girl, you, you, you bringing me, you taking me back down memory lane for real. So my first, you know, I didn't really have a lot of those because I had a lot of shame around this, you know? Um, so it was almost like, and that's why I've, that's why I've had so many triad type experiences because it was easier for me to be with the same gender when it was in context, in the context of some guy, you know what I mean? Um, Which, uh, you know, is that thing they say, well, you know, we don't want the relation, you know, relationships between women are valid on their own. Like it doesn't have to involve a guy, right? Well, back then I had so much shame and so many issues around that part of myself. Like that part of my, that was harder to deal with than the non-monogamy part. Like that was easy. Um, the sexuality part was really, really hard. 
Um, and I just felt like, you know, I needed, I couldn't tell anybody. So I had to make it look like it wasn't, I was super duper closeted when I was younger, like super duper closeted. I didn't talk about it. I wasn't a part of any community. You know, it was very isolated. Um, you know, I was very isolated in that. So, um, I didn't really have a, like a, a an independent experience until I was 20, ooh, 23. 23 um, is when I actually started dating, you know, women. Um, and um, there was this one named Diane. Lord, she was fine. <laughs> Listen, guys, you cannot see Trey's face right now, but I can. And <laughs> Diane must have been hella fine because this face has given me everything. Oh, girl. And she, she was older than me. So I was like 23. She was like 32 or 30, 33, something like that. So she was very self-conscious about her age. And it's like, when I think back on this, I'm like, at 30 something, you said, what you, she was so fly, so fly. And, um, and I was like, you know, I was just like all a flutter over her. And so I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is hush? <laughs> you know? <laughs> So yeah, but even that, like I remember when I first met her, I was out with my sister, the one that I told you I'm really close to. We used to hit the clubs a lot. Like I'm a I'm a self-professed party girl to this day. I think I will leave this planet being a self-professed party girl. I will never stop partying. So but back then I partied a lot more. And so I was out with my sister. We hit the clubs every weekend, right? And she was looking at me. And I was looking at her and it was, oh, my sister's friend was with us. And my sister's friend was like, see, I think that girl might be a dyke. And I was thinking to myself, shit, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, like, you know, and so I was kind of like trying to play it off because remember, nobody knew I was with people that didn't know this, but this girl was eyeballing me and I was eyeballing her from like across the room or whatever. And so I just kind of like, you know, I saw the restroom was like, in that direction. So I was like, I'm going to the restroom. <laughs> so I like went to the restroom and I like slipped on my number, like on the back of a little, um, matchbook or whatever. And, um, and then ran my ass back out. I was like, come on, y'all, let's go. <laughs> Punk. But he just pumped out. Me. I know it was so, it was, it's just the way I moved back then. Like it was so terrible. It was so, it was so stressful. It was so stressful. Like, and that's the thing that I love about young people today. I love that people are just being themselves. Like, Oh, I wish I could be myself like that back then so badly. Oh my gosh. Um, but I love that people today are just like, in their 20s, in their teens, and they're just being open about who they are. They don't have all these shame, pain centers and all this stuff, you know? Um, but yeah, so she ended up calling me and we ended up going out and hanging out and dating and stuff. But she was super jealous. She was a lesbian and she was like super jealous. And she didn't like that I dated guys. She didn't like, you know, she didn't like any of that shit. She was like, listen, if you're going to be with me, you're going to be with me. And I was like, but wait, no. <laughs> She's like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so of course that felt stifling right so in the end um she sent her cousin at me to test me uh did you fail the test of course i failed the test girl come on now <laughs> i mean i don't know how fine the cousin was i don't know her fine was her fine was cousin her cousin was fine <laughs> she was fine <laughs> 
I mean, also, that's so stupid. Why would you send a family member to? And I'm like, Miss, I tell people even to this day, do not test me. I'm going to fail. You're just going to have to trust me. Okay. I'm not going to. And today I know better than to make any promises that I can't keep. Okay. So just to interject the thing about how we know things, like once you become, like once you're not a newbie or something, that's the kind of thing you might know. You might have more self-awareness. So now I know. These are promises. These are agreements and promises that I know not to make. Okay. Like I know not to make the promise that I'm only going to date one person. Like I'm never going to promise anybody that I'm like, if you want that from me, then we're probably not a good fit because <laughs> I can't, yeah. I can't agree to that. I'm going to fail that. I'm going to fail that test, you know? Um, so, you know, yeah, I failed it miserably. And she was like, it was, it was a big blow up and, you know, it was bad. And then it was like, it wasn't a clean break though. It was, we kept kind of fooling around for a while. And then finally, you know, she's just like, I'm sick of your shit. So, yeah. But to be like, you sent your cousin to test me. And then when I took the, the fruit, you're upset. It's like, I thought it was like, at this point, it's like you're giving me a gift and you're upset that I took the gift. I didn't even know. I mean, I guess I kind of did know that it was a setup, kind of. I don't know. I may not have known fully. I think I suspected it. And it was it was irritating to me. That, that irritated me. Um, but, oh, well, messed that one up. I messed that one up. <laughs> well, you know what? Her loss is our gain. Hey, listen, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I felt bad, but just don't, don't ever do that. Like, don't, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> I'm not going to pass. I'm going to fail it. So. Okay. So y- your journey pretty much is, you know, a series of triads, you know, in your teens into like your twenties. So when did you have a fully formed non-monogamous relationship would that have been when you did the open marriage part of your marriage or so when I before I got married when I was with my oldest son's dad we like okay so that's why when people talk about triads from the different perspectives I can say well I've been the the part of the couple you know and the guy goes and get in you know with this with another woman and like you know like that I've been the third before I've been that, you know what I mean? But a lot of experiences that I've had were like that with him because we were together for a long time, like seven or eight years. And so um, we were non-monogamous, but it wasn't like, again, it wasn't official. You know, it was like he was cheating and, you know, and I'd be like, dude, you know, you don't have to cheat. Like, quit lying. You don't have to lie. Like, I'm okay. You know, but for some reason he couldn't, he couldn't, be okay with being honest. He had a problem with that. But we did have a quite, I would say that probably happened at least about three times with us. Um, And then uh, after that, I was single for a while. And then I met my, um, the man I eventually legally married. (laughs) And we stayed monogamously married for nine years and then opened our relationship um, after that. So I, and that was like, and that's why I say I have two phases. I have my unconscious poly 
phase of my journey, my journey, unconscious journey. And then I have my conscious part of my journey, which is after the marriage, you know, after the monogamous marriage um, gave way to the um, non-monogamous marriage. That That is when I became conscious. That's when I learned about the community. That's when I learned, you know, and that was only, that wasn't even that long ago. That was only like in 2010. So that wasn't even that long ago. So yeah, but, um, but yeah, so that is when we first like, you know, by then, of course, all the adulting layers are, are in place. <laughs> so it ain't fun no more now. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing's fun anymore once you're an adult. Listen, I keep no. telling my mother, I'm like, I'm a children. Please take me back. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it was hard. It was really hard. And we had trust problems and, you know, and, and he, he was... Um, revenge. He was vengeful. He was vengeful. So I tell this story a lot. Like this is my favorite story when um, people are um, not able to be compassionate to their partner about um, when, like, say I have an RE with a new partner, my, my spouse isn't dating anyone. And, but the, and, and my spouse is having a bad reaction to my NRE and I don't have any compassion for my spouse, right? You see that, you see that a lot, right? What I do is I always say, well, ain't no, you know, ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun. Uh, Soon the roles will be reversed. (laughs) Ask me how I know. Ask me how I know. (laughs) But Trey, how do you know? Okay. And then I say, well, (laughs) let me just tell you. Um, when I was in my, you know, caught up in my NRE with this person, I mean, it was, he was, we were going on vacations and it was so awesome. And it was just, you know, right. My poor husband was suffering and I was thinking to myself, damn, you know, like, come on, bro. It's okay. Like I ain't going nowhere. Why are you tripping? You know, like that. Right. Then, and see, remember did I mention that he was vengeful? He's vengeful. Then he flipped it. Right. That relationship, you know, kind of fizzled down. I mean, in the end, totally, because we're still like friends, but, you know, it fizzled a little. And then he found somebody to date. Oh, baby, listen, listen. He had no mercy on my soul. Do you hear me? (laughs) None. It was so bad. And I was all, I mean, sometimes I was just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to lose my shit. I'm going to lose my shit. I'm going to lose my shit. And so I, it was, it was truly, you know, that whole, that our whole first experience was all, it was all baptism by fire, all of it, baptism by fire. I mean, it was crazy, you know? Um, and I didn't handle, I didn't handle anything well back then. Like everything was, you know, I, I made lots and lots and lots and lots of mistakes. And so did he. Um, and we, we, you know, we worked it out. <laughs> we came out of it, uh, and realized that, you know, it's, you might want to have some compassion, um, because, you know, you will, you will keep, keep doing this and you will walk in those same shoes at some point. Um, and a lot of those early experiences, I have taught me that, um, be careful about, oh, I wouldn't do that. Be careful about saying that, or uh, that won't happen to me. Be careful about saying that um, because you don't know what situation you may find yourself in and you'll need to have some, um, you'll, you'll need, you'll be wanting people to extend some grace to you uh, and some compassion to you. 
Uh, and uh, then you'd be looking crazy remembering how you didn't have any compassion um, for other folks, you know? So lessons, girl, so many lessons. Oh my goodness. Ooh, terrible, 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 (laughs) terrible stuff I did. Just wasn't, I just didn't think about it right. You know what I mean? You know, I used to, my mom used to call it stinking thinking. (laughs) A bunch of stinking thinking. What what exactly is the root of stinking thinking? I know this is slightly off topic, but why, why did she call it that? (laughs) Well, this is, she, well, this is how it was characterized as a type of thinking that is counter to what you want your outcomes to be. And you know, thought is the basis for action, right? Um, thought is also the basis for your feelings. Um, you got a bad feeling about something, reframe the way you think about it and watch that feeling change, you know? So you can very easily be thinking about something in a way that is totally sending you off into a different plane from where you're really, where you, where you say you want to (laughs) go. And what I say to that is, you know, okay, you need to shit or get off the pot. Do you want this? You say you want this, but your thoughts and your beliefs and your actions are, are not, they're not in alignment, you know? And so that, that is, that's the stinking thinking thing, you know? And I'm saying, I want, peaceful polyamorous relationships. I want loving relationships, right? But at the same time, I'm not extending compassion. I'm not, you know, um, I'm, I'm not um, being a good communicator. I'm not um, trying to understand another person's point of view or like any of those things. Like that's not loving behavior. None of it. You know what I mean? So um, I had to check myself. I really did. And uh, try to do a, a bit of a better job of just being showing up in a way that was loving. Now, one thing that I did wasn't good at, and this is I, I credit my poly journey for this, is boundaries. Back then, I had bad boundaries, really, really confused. And codependency is a thing that's in my family. A bunch of strong black women. Oh, everybody's codependent. Like <laughs> it's like you know, you look up codependent, you'll see the picture of my family in the dictionary <laughs> next to the word. Here's an example, you know. Um, and so I had to unlearn that behavior too, because you know, in trying to, I overcompensated, overcorrected for having a lack of compassion, and so then ended up being basically a doormat sometimes, you know. Um, so I was like, okay let me, let me fix this. And that's like, that's really something I've been working on a lot over the last, I would say probably the last seven years, um, is that learning how to honor myself and also honor others, um, at the same time. And I think is I definitely, I, at first I wasn't sure if it was possible, but, um, but it is, it is, you can honor people and honor yourself. So that was like a huge lesson that came from um, my relationships over the years. Okay, so we're dropping some gems here, some education, some things. <laughs> Thank you, educator, for educating. We appreciate that. So, so since you're anti-ish triads, what kind of poly love style suits you best right now? Oh, my gosh. I'm glad you said right now because my ideal relationship configuration has changed so many times. Right now, I used to be like, 
hardcore. I used to want triads for one thing. I used to want them because see, I'm still living in that dream that I had back when I was a teenager and not realizing that, you know, that, that, that's, that was then this is now. Um, so then I eventually let that go. And then I still wanted kitchen table. Like I really want a kitchen table, which a lot of people want that. I mean, it's efficient. It's efficient. It's, <laughs> that's one thing I can say is I love efficiency. It's very efficient, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's, 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 you know, it's so sweet, you know, um, but it only happens if the stars are in alignment. Um, and there are some sacrifices that one would have to make to maintain that, uh, over time as well. And I realized I wasn't willing to make those sacrifices. So now my, my ideal, I guess, configuration is, um, parallel to start. Um, I don't assume any kind of ming- mingling between metas. I used to have a very um, contentious <laughs> uh, metamore thing going on. You can ask some some of the people in our community about that, you know. <laughs> if you were at Black Poly Pride in 2019, <laughs> you would have seen little Trey Trey act up about metamores. Um, but I've, 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 I've grown in that I've grown from that. So I've healed that. Um, so parallel though, it's best because everybody can't handle kitchen table. Um, and then I don't really need to have, I don't consider myself solo poly. Like I, I don't label my label myself solo poly, but I tend to, um, enjoy some of the same kinds of solo poly ways of being like, I'm not interested in legal marriage again, not if I got legally married, it would be some kind of business arrangement kind of thing, like for a specific purpose of some sort. Um, and then I also don't want to cohabitate. I prefer unless we have like a giant, giant mansion house where I have my own wing and my own kitchen and my own everything. Then I will do it. But otherwise, no, not interested. Um, and then uh, I am I don't really have a script like, don't you know how we think about um, life partnership relationships? They look like typical traditional marriage. Like I don't have that box anymore. So my life partnerships don't have to be with a romantic partner. It could be with someone who is my very close, intimate friend. Like I, my friendships are like my rocks. Like they, my friendships are solid. They're solid. I've had all these dating relationships, romantic relationships go away, come, go. My friendships are stable. So those, th- those are my chosen family, you know? So um, now would it be nice to have a romantic life partner? Yes, because I like sex and sex is nice. It's nice to have. <laughs> but if I don't have that, I'm okay with that. Um, and it doesn't have to be just one. It can be multiple ones. And the relationships can have their own, what I call relationship features. Um, so I, I'm kind of like in this um, kind of build a, build your own kind of phase. Um, so I don't really have a, um, a script for it exactly. I just know what I, what I like. <laughs> I just know what I like, what I like the relationships to have, you know, um, and I'm big on commitment, I'm big on commitment, but I'm not quick to commit though <laughs> to anything well, really. <laughs> I mean, okay. That makes sense. Big on commitment, but you know, it takes time to get to that point where we're at that level. Okay. Yeah. So you're kind of building your own framework for how you want your relationships to work right now. So what yep. is your current romantic entanglement like like are you are you with multiple partners are you currently single single or are you like 
you know, are you poly single or are you single single? <laughs> like, you know what? I don't even know. I hate these labels. And I love words. You know me. You know I love words. Like, I love them. But the labels, I'm like, oh, God, I don't know what to call myself. I really don't. I don't feel 100% single. Um, like when I think single, I don't think of single as in unmarried. When I think single as in like, you don't have any deeply intimate relationships. Like that's not, that's not the case. I have several deeply intimate relationships. I only have one romantic and sexual relationship, but I have others that are deeply intimate, um, and, um, and very, very important to me. Um, so, and there, you know, I have long distance girlfriends, um, I have um, a local love here in the Atlanta area, and I have um, one of my closest, closest sister friends is here in the Atlanta area. Um, another one is in um, Wisconsin. Another one is in Chicago. So, and then the girl, my my core group of girlfriends that are all over the place. Like, so it's just you know, it's not fine. It's like it's not well defined. I guess you could say. Um, but I am not saturated and, um, you know, I could, because everything so much is long distance. Um, I have space for another local love, uh, another romantic partner. If that, if that appears, you know, I'm open to that. Uh, so yeah, but it's, it's, it's very, it's hard to, there's no like one word for me, as you can see, to explain it. Uh, I've just been kind of, you know, building things, uh, as, What's, what's in, what feels good is what I nurture. You know, what feels good for to everybody is what I nurture. Um, if it doesn't feel good, then I divest my resources, my thought resources. I divest them. My emotional resources, I divest them. Um, and that doesn't mean that the relationship is bad. It just means that it doesn't get as much of my resources um, as like some of the other ones would. Um, so, yeah, I'm real, real, real conservative about how I expend my resources. Um, and I do think of my thoughts as a resource too. I don't have infinite amount of thought energy to spend on all these different people. You know what I mean? And all these different things, you know? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not well-defined. It's more of a go, you know, figure it out as you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I too am just figuring it out. As you talk about it, I'm like, wait, okay. And then, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Like that, that, that gif of the dude, just like with his fingers, like, right. <laughs> okay. Right. That's me. But I will say this, in my relationships, we know what we have. Okay. So when other people see it, they be like, I don't know what they're doing. We know what we're doing. We know. Um, and that's the most important thing is that we're clear. And when there, when things become unclear, then we talk about it um, until it's clear again. Uh, so, and that's one thing I can say that I love about all of my relationships is that we have great communication, um, fantastic communication. Uh, and, and, and I've learned to be accepting of what those relationships, those different relationships bring to my life and what I bring to those. I'm accepting of the interchange that we have. Um, I don't have to have like, it doesn't have to look a certain way for me to feel like it's valid, you know? Um, that took some growth a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine. I think that even 
to this day. I mean, we, I spoke with um, Alex, my friend on Instagram, who has an Instagram page called Fucks It Up the First Time. Surprise! <laughs> talking about how we all fuck it up the first time. We try to do some poly shit. Um, right. And she was talking about that. Just that those feelings of like trying to navigate that it is it is a lot. <laughs> and just, okay, but it is important that everyone knows where they stand. Everyone yeah. knows what the relationship is. And she preferred to use the word partner to describe all of her intimate connections, whether they were sexual or not, or right. whatever. And I think I said to someone the other day too, I was kind of like, if you're doing the romantic side of polyamory, right, you're probably having sex way less than people think that you are. Man, listen, listen, that's unfair. <laughs> that's not right. That's not right. Um, but it's true. It's so true. Like people be thinking, like, oh, everybody always thinks, oh, I know she probably got her inbox. No, I mean, I got a couple potentials that you know we're getting to know each other. Uh, I have one partner that is physically intimate with me, and 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 that's you know that's not a regular thing. And the Rona, the Rona has put the damper on so much. <laughs> so this last year has been just. Oh, <laughs> so no, we are not getting it like that. We are not getting it like that, you know? Uh, so, but one thing that I has been about the Rona that has been kind of illuminated for me is that even though I'm okay with my relationships being different, like they don't have to look a certain way, like fit into a certain predetermined box. Um, I do believe in stability though. Um, and if I am in a relationship with someone and it looks unpredictable and, you know, like, like, I, I don't know what to expect from it, that, that, that makes my anxiety ramp up and I'm going to, I'm going to divest, <laughs> I'm going to divest my energy because I ain't getting any, any, any younger here. And you know, why am I, why am I unsure? <laughs> if I'm yeah. not sure what we're doing, um, then I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm just not going to pour into that, you know? Uh, we need to talk about it or we need to just accept it. It's going to be kind of casual and that, you know, you're not going to be a person that I might, that you might fall off my radar some, I might fall off your radar some, you know? Um, and I mean, that's how I look at it. And that, that sounds almost kind of hierarchical, right? Um, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with, with that. Uh, there are going to be some relationships that stay on my radar because of what we do together. Certain relationship things that we share features that we share, make them stay on my radar <laughs> uh, better. Uh, other people, they won't stay on my radar um, like that. And that's, that's okay. Like that doesn't mean it's wrong. You know, uh, it's just that you only have a, a limited amount of energy. You can't, you know, maintain all of them in the same, with the same investment of resources. How? Yeah, it's it's the same. It's why every relationship cannot be on the exact same level because that's literally impossible. I mean, some of them can be close. Mm -hmm. but Unless you just have two, yeah. you might just do it. <laughs> I mean, and even then, there's always going to be... Like, some days, one relationship might be on a different level and other days, it, I mean, it's just... Yeah, that's just my personal observation and experiences as a single polyamorous person. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool though. It's it's this doesn't mean anything is wrong, you know. It just means people we're showing up for each other in different ways. That's it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um I, I do like to be in the same relationship with the person though. I yeah. I say this a lot to um one of my booze. <laughs> I'm like, I need to be we need to be in the same relationship. So if we if we have a certain kind of relationship feature 
Um, and I, and it's for it to be a feature in the relationship, we both need to be doing it, right? If it's if it's not, if it's we're not both doing it, then it's it shouldn't be considered a feature. It's not something that we we share. It's not a part of our relationship, right? So I shouldn't be doing that one thing and you're not doing it, or vice versa. We're not in the same relationship. I want to be in the same relationship with you that you're in with me, you know? And so I'm real big on defining what that is. Like, let's define what that is uh, and let's see if that works. And if it doesn't, then let's figure out what does, you know, maybe we don't need to be that close. I mean, you're not going to be close with everybody, you know? So, yeah, so I look at it as, you know, these things that we do, how we show up for each other. These are like our features, the features that we share in our relationship. Uh, And we should be we should be on the same page with that. Uh, Either we are all in or somewhere or all the way out or somewhere on the continuum. Um, But we should both be there uh, and willingly like it shouldn't be a obligatory thing. Like you should want to be there, (laughs) you know. Uh, yeah. And if you don't, then that's okay. Let's just talk about that, you know, and say, okay, I don't want to be there. <laughs> I want to be someplace else. That's very important. I, I think that's one of those things that's kind of implied in monogamous relationships that polyamorous relationships cannot take for granted because yes. in monogamous relationships, you're more than likely on the escalator, right? You're more yep. than likely moving up the, we met, we're dating, now we're boyfriending. Right friend or girlfriend and girlfriend or person and person or boyfriend and boyfriend whatever it is whatever the configuration is then we're going to be like super serious then we're going to be engaged and we're going to be married then there may or may not be children depending on whatever kind of union you want it to be and we're all supposed to be trudging up the same path in the exact same direction but what if you like don't want to have kids and your partner does want to have kids and you guys just assume because we're married kids are the next step and when someone's resentful someone isn't some of this, these communication issues sound like, uh, I like to call it a uh, honesty related bitch assness. Um, folks don't want to deal with the outcome of telling the truth. So they're being bitch assed about, <laughs> about their truth. You know, uh, they don't want to deal with whatever they think is coming as a result of being honest. That's a problem. Yep. And I feel like in in non-monogamy and polyamory, honesty is like a huge thing that needs to exist for all the relationships to function the way they're supposed to, no matter what type of non-monogamy you practice, right? Even if it's that one of those like don't ask, don't tell kind of vibes, we all have to be honest about that. We are doing what we're doing and we're not talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think too, I mean, I do understand why honesty related bitch assness is a problem. Like, I mean, I've, I've had it. We we all get those moments where we're afraid to to be honest. Like, I mean, I spent most of my teens being afraid to be honest, you know? Um, so I, I do understand where it comes from. Uh, but it's definitely a, a problem. Uh, I think another thing that comes along and then, you know, when I was finally coming all the way out of the closet, I remember thinking a lot about, you know, truth telling. And I don't know if you're familiar with the author, uh, Neil Donald Walsh, uh, Conversations with God. I don't know if you've ever read that book. Never read um, it, but I've seen it. So that counts. Yeah. There's this, there's this segment in, in one of the, it's several um, like versions, like parts to the book, but I can't remember if it's part one or part two, but um, where he talks about uh, the five levels of truth telling. 
Um, and I can't remember the exact quote, but it has to do, you know, one of the, there's these different levels. Tell the truth to yourself <laughs> about yourself. Tell the truth to someone else about yourself. You know, like that. And it keeps, you know, tell the truth to about them to, you know, about someone else to some, you know, that kind of thing, right? And what I realized about that whole truth telling thing is that Yes, we have to be brave enough, courageous enough to push past our honesty related bitch assness and tell our truth. Um, on the other end of that, the person receiving that truth needs to be able to show up in a way that makes that person feel a teeny bit safe, right? Sharing their truth. Um, then again, on the other side, the person that's telling the truth needs to be able to receive that person's reaction as well. So it's like this, I look at it as this, this dynamic interchange of people being courageous. You know what I mean? Um, I got to be courageous enough to, to push past my honesty related bitch assness and tell you this thing that I'm afraid to tell you. You have to be um, open enough to receive my truth in a way that I'm not over here, like afraid to be vulnerable with you. You know, and then I also have to be okay with whatever your reaction might be. Um, so I have to, you know, deal with that part of it. It's not, a, it's very complicated. Um, and it's not something that I think comes easy. I don't know that our culture really, um, like American culture per se, specifically, really teaches us to be okay with truth. Um, I think, um, I remember I was doing research in a middle school and we were talking about belongingness and, uh, you know, you can learn so much from a sixth grader, you know? Um, and I, I asked the kid, do you feel like you belong? You feel like, you know, it's okay to be yourself here at school. And first he's like, oh yeah. And he was like, wait, wait a minute. I, I want to change my answer. I was like, okay, you know, tell me, tell me what you're thinking. And he's like, you know, I don't really feel that that's true. And I was like, tell me more about that. You know? And he says, well, people always say, be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. But then when you be yourself, then they're like, but not like that though. <laughs> Listen, from the mouths yeah. of babes. From the mouths of babes. And a little child self teach them, okay? I was sitting there looking at the kid like, dang, that's the truth, right? That's the truth. So it's like so many times we're being told to be ourselves. But then when we do, we get rejected or rebuked or shamed for it or something. Somehow socially, um, it's not acceptable. Um, and so that doesn't really bode well for folks being able to, um, you know, let it all out. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You don't feel safe. So I do understand. Um, I do understand why we have as a human race, you know, <laughs> why we have why we have honesty related bitch assness. I also think it's still, a, it's, it's a big, like you said, it's a big problem in poly relationships, like in all relationships, but I think in poly relationships, it just becomes, it becomes incredibly problematic um, to not be able to be honest, even being honest with yourself. Like that is a, like, that is huge. It's huge. You have to be honest with yourself, you know, uh, or you're going to have a lot of drama. And I mean, I guess that's okay. Cause that's how we learn, but into the drama then I guess it's for you but I mean you know it's how we learn though I mean think about the the moments when you've had shit blow up in your life right you learn so much from that <laughs> sadly yes yeah. 
Sadly, yes. But, you know, we're not talking about blowing things up right now. We want everyone to come together. And so since you have the capacity, since you are not polysaturated, sorry, can you define polysaturated for the people? Because they don't know what that word means. I haven't talked about it before. Yes. So polysaturated is when you have more like, okay, so you have a certain amount of bandwidth, you know, to handle things in your life. And for me, um, you know, bandwidth is it gets eaten up by all kinds of things, not just our relationships. Right. Um, So you have a certain amount of bandwidth when you're saturated. You have more relationships than you have bandwidth. So I like to use the computer as an example. So, you know, your operating system has a certain amount of um, random access memory that, you know, when your computer has a certain amount of random access memory, your operating system is always running, using up random access memory to just to make your machine turn on. Right. And to make it run. Right. So that's always going to be a certain amount of bandwidth that is taken. That's your self-care. That that's your self-care, right? So then you might open up a web browser. You might have a program that you absolutely have to use every day. That might be your children <laughs> or your spouse that you live with at home or your partner that you have at home with you in the house with you, right? Um, and then how much RAM do you have left over <laughs> to deal with before shit start crashing? Right. Your computer freezes because you open too many damn programs and now you can't manage any of this shit. That's when you 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 you're way oversaturated when you get to that point. When you're saturated, you just have gotten to the point where you're at, you know, the point where you can't open any more windows. If you open another window, something's going to you know, you're not going to be able to take care of something. Something's going to fall by the wayside. Um, So. So, yeah, that is what saturation is about. You're full. You're full. Yeah. Okay. So since you are not saturated, then what are you looking for in a person who might try to slide into the DMs or, you know, run into you at the supermarket and see the half of your face not covered by the mask and decide Trey Michael is the one for me. So what 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 does that look like for you? What are you you know, we're just we're not a dating show, but if we happen to make a love connection for someone along the way, I am mad at it. Okay, I dig, I dig, I dig that. Um, I'm not really looking, looking, um, but if something happens to slide my way, it would get my attention if that someone please has something to talk about. Lord have mercy. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, things fall off my radar really easy. It takes a lot to keep my attention. I have a very busy life. I work a lot. I got a, I still got a, this youngest child is still here being, being grown child. You know how that is. They start being grown and you know, all of that. So things fall off my radar really, really easily. So got to have some kind of synergy, some kind of, you know, chemistry. And usually for me, um, conversation is, is one of them. Um, Somebody with some interests, some hobbies, some things that they love and that they're passionate about, that that's probably the one of the key things that would keep my attention. The other thing that would keep my attention would be knowing how to live well. You know, uh, I grew up, you know, we were poor. My mom was a single mom, you know, um, and, you know, we didn't have a lot. And so I've been teaching myself how to live well my whole life. Um, so, yeah, I got to I'm not like all the way bougie, but I do call myself bougetto. I do, I do claim that. 
Um, because there's some things I am a little snobby about, like food. You know, I'm big. I'm a. I love the food experience. Like I'm big on the food experience. So I'm. I'm not gonna eat at certain places. Well, one thing is, you know, my body doesn't like certain foods. So there's be that. Happy. Yeah. Um. But also, I just. I, you know, if I'm gonna eat these calories and <laughs> whatever it is, and you know, I want to enjoy. I want. I need that to be like either I love it, love it, love it, or it's gonna be excellent for my body. You know, speaking of body, that's another thing that I'm out that catches my attention when someone is all about wellness, you know, when they are uh, about self-development and they're about staying in shape and they're about, you know, and I'm not I'm not skinny by any I've never been, but I've always worked out. I've always tried to eat well. I have my vices, but I try to make up for it (laughs) by treating myself well and taking care of my body. Um, as, As I get older, I'm finding that's really, really important. Um, even more important, you you can't do the same things um, at forty five that you could do at twenty five, and you know you want to age well. I don't believe in that we have to fall apart as we age. I feel like we can age gracefully and age well, but if we take good care of ourselves, you know. So that's that's huge for me. And then, man, please be a music lover. Love the arts. You know, love to be outside, love to dance, those kind of things where you can just enjoy life. You know, uh, I guess I got a little bit of hedonist, hedonist in me where I just like pleasurable things too. you know, so someone I can enjoy things with, someone I could travel with once the world opens back up, someone who's going to go to the club, party with me, shut the club down. Can you do that? You know, <laughs> so that's the kind, you know, it doesn't always have to be that, but I'm pretty high energy, you know, so um, people who are like, couch potatoes and they never want to go anywhere we we're not gonna we're not gonna buy it and guys yeah. this is how i'm no longer in the running because the idea of going out and closing a club is the least exciting <laughs> thing to me right now i'm like okay honey you can go out and close the club you can call me to come and pick you up and then we'll go to bed how's that <laughs> now that's not to say that i do that all the time because i can have my own party in my kitchen with my wine and my juicer and my my cooking implements my my instapot i love to cook you know so i just like a lot of different things Jen. i like a lot of different things you know i'm back in the running i'm back in the running y'all <laughs> So yeah, but so I'm I have a lot of interests and I'm 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 just I'm usually I can make make a good time almost anywhere I go with anybody. Um unless they're just being an asshole, then I'm I'm like I got to get out of here. But other than that, you know, I can have I can we can make a good time out of whatever we're doing, you know? So, it shouldn't be hard for me to have dates, but for some reason it is. Uh, well, I hmm, I don't know why it's difficult. I don't I don't see a reason for that. But I want to read a bit about the hedonistic side of you and about pleasure. So, how does that factor into your queer non-monogamous experience? I'm using big general words because like I'm awesome like that. So, okay. So when I say I got a little bit of a hedonist, and I you know I just only recently realized that. That that I could say that about myself and that I feel like it's true. Um, I do feel like that life, a big part of life is the pursuit of pleasure, you know, um, whether it's, you know, as complicated as having a kink scene at the dungeon. <laughs> yeah, I miss that. Or it can be as simple as 
you know, looking out from my from my front porch on a on a one of those crisp 40 degree days that people think is cold down here, but I'm from Chicago, so I know it's really not. It feels great with a mug of hot cocoa in my hands. You know, that's ple- that's pleasure. Like this this the sensory experiences, you know, I can smell it, it smells good, it's warm in my hands. You know, there's this contrast between, you know, the the heat from the mug and the, and the air on my face, like all of those kind of sensory experiences, to me, that's what pleasure is about. You know, whether it's, you know, when I traveled to China and got a chance to see a different culture and be immersed in a place that where there was no English spoken, like, you know, that was both frustrating and exhilarating at the same time. You know, um, those kinds of things, giving somebody a massage. Like I like to give pleasure too. I like to, I love to feed people. You know, I love to, you know, like the juices. I've been posting on my Facebook page page about this juice journey that I'm on. I'm always giving these juices away to people. I'm always telling them, you want to taste it? (laughs) You want to try this? It's so good, you know, (laughs) and I get excited about that. You know, so I just feel like that is, um, when you talk about pleasure, it could be so many things, you know, music. Um, sometimes I'm in a bad mood. I start my day and I'm just like, I don't feel like doing anything. I got all these papers to grade. I got all this work to do. Uh, and then I'll turn on like a song that I love and I just like, Hey, and I, you know, next thing you know, I'm feeling good. I'm in my groove. I'm working, you know, and that song listening to that music is pleasurable. Uh, and it makes my day go by better. It makes me feel, you know, so to me, that's, it could be so many different things. Um, but it's, it's a lot of it is rooted in sensory experiences, you know, things we see that are beautiful, things we hear that are exhilarating. Um, even when stuff doesn't feel good, um, it can still, you know, be thought of as a sensation that's valuable. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. So what is one tidbit you definitely want to share with the listeners who have fallen in love with you over the course of this podcast episode? What is like a polyamory tidbit What or weird? What is something that you think people need to know either about you or just about how we operate in general? Oh, that is so hard for me. You know, I like words. Um, I think probably I'll share probably one of, I have several really big, like huge lessons. Um, and I guess I'll share one of those. One of my big, huge, like big picture, like words to live and love by lessons has to do with knowing who you are, accepting who you are, and being able to show up as that person um, and honoring that person. I don't think that we can enact loving behavior um, to others until we see ourselves as whole, you know, and I spent like a lifetime doing that, working on seeing myself as whole and, and, and being okay with my shadow side. Like, you know, yeah, I'm happy, go lucky and shit, but I'm an asshole at times, you know, (laughs) and I need to be okay with her. (laughs) That part of me that's, you can be a bitch, you know, uh, it's okay. You know, so that's, I guess that's what I would leave with is, you know, know yourself, fully accept yourself, be able to show up as that person with other people and honor yourself, you know, so you can, you can give that back to someone, you know, I can honestly say 
Um, I want for my loved ones what I want for myself. I can honestly say that because I want the only the best for myself, you know? Um, and so I want that for them too, you know? So I guess that would be the only thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So tell the people where they should find you then if they want to engage with you more, slide into the DMs or just, just see what's happening in the life of Trey. What's happening in the life of Trey? Well, I'm on Facebook, but my Facebook account is private, but I do have a um, Instagram account. It is Trey, T-R-E dot Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L 1971. So you can find me on Instagram. But, um, but yeah, and I do like, I work with the Polycultural Diversity Group and we do a lot of events. So check out like, you know, TCDA. Uh, check out um, Black Poly Pride. We're going to be playing another one of those. So my homegirls, Cherie and Shanae, co-founders, co-founder base. <laughs> uh, we do, I do a lot of stuff with them. So that's, you'll see me there. You know, there's some things coming up um, in the works too very soon. Yeah. See, yeah. it's a sneak peek for everybody. Okay, guys, you heard it. You can yep. find Trey on Instagram or anywhere the Polycultural Diversity Alliance is. Yep. I hang out with those ladies. They're awesome. We do cool stuff for the community. Ah. Try to get people, you know, thinking about the good stuff and, you know, living well and growing. Ooh, absolutely. Well, I personally would like to thank you for blessing us here with your presence. <laughs> podcast today and obviously i will have to bring you back at some point see every time i talk to somebody who's super engaging i'm like damn it now i gotta schedule another interview but i'm not mad about it listen i will come back as many times as you want i've done a few guest podcasts um um the 30 minute podcast i was on theirs a few months ago and that was really fun it was like a poly 101 talk you know and that it, it was the same thing there's only for 30 minutes so it was like three parts to that doggone show. Oh, yep, yep, <laughs> three yep, parts. Yeah, y'all. I could have Trey here all day. Like we have, yeah. we have been in the same room online at events together, and all of us will just be talking, and it'll be like, "Shit, we were supposed to end this room four hours ago. Right? <laughs> what happened?" <laughs> hey, listen. I was born to talk, girl. I was born to talk. Okay. <laughs> you know what? It's because you're engaging. We love to hear it. We love to hear it. So of course, once again. Thank you. Oh, oh my gosh. Gosh, gave me a compliment. I'm just going to go blush and die now. <laughs> oh, you got a pretty smile, too. See, y'all can't see her, but I can. <laughs> see? See? Okay, guys. I, now I have to cut off the recording so we can have some more private time. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course, we want to thank the wonderful Trey Michael for joining us on the podcast today. If you guys want to find Trey, she does have an Instagram page, like she said, Trey.Michael1971. And I'll, of course, put the links to where to find that in our show notes. Now, I've talked about Trey. I, I could talk about Trey forever. And you guys can know the secret. She will be coming back on a future episode of Monogamous to talk about some different topics. You know, you hanging a bit. You guys will find out soon enough. But now, let's talk about where you can find and support us. You can, of course, find our detailed show notes and transcripts for the episodes for the ones that I've put up already 
on monogamishpod.com. Each episode has its own little page. You'll find a clip where you can listen to the entire episode and read our show notes and transcripts right there directly. Of course, you can also support us by going to our merch shop. You can find that also on monogamishpod.com by clicking the shop button or go directly to our Threadless site, monogamishpod.threadless.com. Of course, we have amazing cups, shirts, their bags, their little pillows. I mean, who wouldn't want a picture of my face on a pillow for their home? I don't, I don't, I don't see why you guys wouldn't want that. <laughs> you can definitely get that all over at our merch shop. And you can also, also, also support us on Patreon. We do post behind the scenes content there as well, different from what we post on altplayground.net. And you can go there for bonus episodes and stream of consciousness thoughts from me mostly and so you can get a lot of little tidbits and if you're a patreon of a certain tier for a certain period of time you also get a special patreon t-shirt just saying just saying that's something you guys want to do you can head on over to our patreon patreon.com slash monogamishpod you have to type it in that way i'm a little bit too naughty for regular patreons 18 plus so go on ahead and type that into your search bar you can get directly to us and if you are not able to support us with any of the endeavors I mentioned before, like, you know, the merch shop, the Patreon, there's also an anchor support button. Um, I just put the link to that in the show notes. You don't need to worry about it too much. I'm not going to say it out loud here. And you can always just share us with your friends, like retweet our tweets, share our podcast episodes, tell people about monogamish, have them want to be a part of the monogamish pod family. I think that we can grow a lot if you guys tell everyone that you know about how amazing we are here at Monogamish Pod. Just saying, just saying, I think. Now, if you want to know where to find the most recent episodes, any podcatcher that you like, like we're on Stitcher, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, of course, which we will use to host. Um, I think I'm on Podbean, Podbay, Pod, there are many other pod sites. I'm on all, I'm on all the pod sites. If I'm not on your pod site of choice, let me know. I'll make sure I get there. And we would appreciate if you would rate and review us and leave us a five-star review maybe on Apple Podcasts. It makes us move up in the rankings, makes us more accessible to people who you think might enjoy this content. Just saying, that would be great. Um, you can interact with us on social media at MonogamishPod on Twitter and Instagram. And there is a Facebook page that I don't really do much to, but sometimes, sometimes I post there and you guys can find stuff there. That's important. Our three most recent episodes are usually up on SoundCloud. I'm a bit behind on the upload right now. Not going to lie, but I'm working on it. And it's only the three most recent episodes because SoundCloud is still expensive. I am not cheap. It is SoundCloud's fault for being expensive. Just just still want to put that out there for you guys to know. Just saying. It's not me. It's them. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to share with you guys here. Oop. Nope, I don't think so. So you can also buy clothing from our friends at YouTube, right? They have great articles of clothing there. You can use code monogamish to get 10% off your order. That's super important. And we, of course, want you to support the Shelf Love Podcast by Andrea Martucci. If you are a fan of critical discussions about romance novels, that's the podcast for you. And of course, the Bridgerton Research Project link will be in our show notes if you guys want to participate in that. Once again, Shout out to allplayground.net for sponsoring us, supporting us through all the things. We really appreciate you. And so, without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. But I'll tell you one more time that I'm Jen, and this is the Monogamish Pod. Have a great night, y'all. XOXO.